Well, we are blessed to have Dr. Brian Stowe with us uh, this week. He is a senior pastor at Maysville Baptist Church. He's been there since 97. He must be doing something right. They've kept him that long. <laughs> we won't hold this against him, and I'm sure that his congregation doesn't necessarily like to think about the fact that he's a graduate of Georgia Tech. <coughs> But anyway, they don't hold it too bad against you, do they? Nah. He also uh, received his MDiv and DMIN from Southwestern Baptist Theological Seminary. He and his wife, uh, Bonnie, have recently celebrated last year 20 years of marriage. They have four children from ages 2 to 16. And uh, he, uh, more than anything, is a man that loves God and loves God's Word. And so uh, we're glad to have him here today, and I'm going to ask him if he will come and share God's Word with us now. Well, hey, it is an honor to be here this evening with, uh, with you and throughout this week, and uh, I, I really am grateful. Uh, I am a Georgia Tech graduate, and um, you're correct. We don't have much to talk about when it comes to football season. I'll be the first to tell you that. But, uh, but things do get pretty quiet around the, the church place because I remind the folks, what do Georgia graduates and Georgia fans call a Georgia Tech graduate? Pastor. Uh, so it, it works out pretty well. We have Georgia graduates on our staff, and I asked them, I said, what do Georgia, Georgia graduates call a Tech graduate? Boss. So it works, out, it works out really well. So uh, anyway, we're, uh, I am very honored. I'm very honored to be here. And i, I got to tell you, uh, I didn't think I would ever do this in my lifetime, but it happened on August 12th, 2013. This is a momentous occasion that I've just got to tell you about. Today, I have gone from one edge of the boonies to the other when I got here. So, uh, I, I just never knew how it was going to happen, but uh, tonight I did. You guys are out here in the middle of nowhere. But, uh, man, look at you. This is great. I, I'm, I'm honored to be here, and my car actually got here. Pray for me. If I'm not here tomorrow night, you know i got lost going on. Uh, so, uh, we're, we're going to have a great time. I want to give you a challenge and encouragement. I want to give you a strong encouragement. Don't miss... The next two nights, not because of the preacher. If you come because of me, you're going to be disappointed. But when the church gathers together, and when the church prays together, and when the church seeks the Lord together, I want to tell you, God's going to show up. And when God shows up, nobody, nobody needs to miss it. And so tonight, my challenge, my encouragement to you, and what we'll talk about over the next couple of nights, Lord willing, uh, is going to be directed to the family, to the, to the family matters. But more than that, I'm convinced God's going to speak. God's going to show up. God's going to do a work. And I don't want you to miss it. I don't want you to miss what God wants to do in your life this week by meeting together. So I'm really, really looking forward to that. Tonight, I want to speak to you on the subject, Don't You Understand? Don't you understand? You've never said that in your home, have you? I'm sure you haven't. I'm sure it's only my home where that's taking place. But uh, I want to talk to you on the subject of communication this evening. Colossians chapter 4 is where we're going to read one verse of Scripture. We're going to read uh, several others. But uh, I want to use uh, Colossians this evening as my, uh, as my main text. And while you're finding that, 
I, uh, I read a funny story about communication, and I thought I would try to share it with you. A man was uh, traveling in Japan on a business trip, and he was invited to speak after breakfast at the event that he was, he was there for, the meeting. And so, wanting to show off his linguist skills, he asked the interpreter how to pronounce some words that he thought were on some distant signs down the hall, you know, women and men. That's what he sure was sure it was saying there. And so he was told those words, and he practiced, and he practiced. And when he got up, he began by saying to this group that was meeting there, good morning, ladies and gentlemen, in Japanese, he said that. Well, it got quite a reaction from the audience, and after delivering what he felt was a very stellar speech and sitting down to generous applause, one of the hosts gently inquired and, and asked him why he started his talk with, good morning, toilets and urinals. So I'm just telling you, communication is key. And oftentimes when we think we're saying one thing, you know what we're saying, something completely different. And so I want to share with you this evening, and I'll be the first to admit to you, I have not arrived in this area of communication. Boy, am I a student of it. Uh, we talked about our children, and ages from ages 16 to 2, and all four of them have different learning styles. I'm just telling you, they're different and how to communicate with them. And then on top of that, whenever you're married, to communicate with your spouse, there really are lots of challenges there. So I want to try to take God's Word and share with you some challenges, some, some ways that, that, that may hinder communication, and then some other ways in which it can build up. So if you're physically able, I would love for you to stand with me and honor the reading of God's Word. We're going to read one verse in Colossians chapter 4, and that verse is verse 6. Notice what Paul would say to the church there at Colossae. Let your speech always be with grace, seasoned with salt, that you may know how you ought to answer each one. Father, in Jesus' name, I pray that tonight that communication will not be something that we just talked about, but how I pray that we will be very effective communicators in our home, in our church, and wherever it else it is that we may go. Thank you, Lord Jesus that you really are the master communicator. May we learn from you as well. I pray in Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. I want to share with you some other verses of Scripture. And as I said a moment ago, we'll go back to Colossians 4 and we'll work through that verse there. But Psalm 141, verse 3 says this, Set a guard, O Lord, over my mouth. Keep watch over the door of my lips. Uh, Proverbs 10, 19 says, In the multitude of words, sin is not lacking. But he who restrains his lips is wise. Uh, Proverbs 12, verse 22. Lying lips are an abomination to the Lord, but those who deal truthfully are his delight. Uh, Proverbs 26, 20 and 21. Where there is no wood, the fire goes out, and where there is no tailbearer, the strife will cease. As charcoal is to burning coals and wood to fire, so is a contentious man to kindle strife. Ecclesiastes. We find these words in chapter 10. The words of a wise man's mouth are gracious, but the lips of a fool shall swallow him up. Isn't that an incredible picture there? Do you get that picture? The words of his mouth begin with foolishness, and the end of his talk is raving madness. So all throughout the Old Testament, we find statement after statement, even example after example of good communication, poor communication. What about the New Testament? We just read one verse. Let me give you another one. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 29, plastered all over our house. 
these words, let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth, but what is good for necessary edification, so that it may impart grace to the hearers. Grace to the hearers. What an incredible statement that really is. What wonderful words Paul would share there to the church at Ephesus. What strong words he also shares here with the church at Colossae. One more time. Let your speech always, always be with grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you ought to answer each one. Now, I want you to note a couple of things about these verses here. And this, this verse here. Notice some phrases there. He says that this is something to be, that is to be a natural part of us. Now, you may say, well, I have a hard time. Don't we all have a hard time? But that is no excuse to not try or work at it. He says, remember how it's supposed to be. This is to be natural. Let your speech, help me here, look at your, look at your Bible. What's the next word? Let your speech, help me, uh, one more time. Be convinced of it this time. Always. Always. How is our speech usually? I, I don't know how it was with you when you were when you were growing up in home at your home, but I remember especially between my, my brother and myself, <clears throat> we we had the typical sibling relationship. We fought like cats and dogs. Um, maybe, maybe you did too. Probably not. Just just, just me. But anyway, come Christmas time, it seemed like we would just kind of set aside the old relationship, just kind of going back and forth with one another. We set it aside at Christmas. It would be all nice and everything. But come December 26th, it was all night donkey gone. We were back at it again. And then one other time that it may slow down would be around birthdays. We'd be kind of nice on our birthdays. Not as nice as we would be on Christmas. But then it would be back to the same old thing again. Here's what Paul says. That's not the way it's to be. Uh, to be nice or to, to live out this verse here is not to be the exception. This really is to be the practice of our life. Let your speech Always. Well, what is it that he brings out that we are to that our speech is to always be about? Notice three statements here that he brings out, three descriptors. First of all, he says that it needs to be with grace. With grace. Seasoned, uh, it needs to be with grace. What does it mean, grace? It means to literally be to be courteous, to be humble, to be Christ-like. Like grace, it saves us, it, it, it also sustains us, it strengthens us, it sees us through. Here's what Paul is saying, let your speech be such that it is going to be an encouragement, it's going to be a help to those around you. <clears throat> that means it's going to be from, free from gossip, it's going to be free from those frivolous things, it's going to be free from uncleanness, even bitterness, it's going to be clear of all of that. So I have a question. Why is it that we're usually nicer to folks that we'll see one time and never see them again than those that we live with in our own home? Paul said, let your speech always be with grace. Always with grace. Notice something else that he says here in this verse. He says, it is to always be seasoned with salt. You see that there? Isn't that an interesting statement that he gives, especially in the, in the context of speech? Well, what does he mean by this? One commentator put it like this. The expression there, seasoned with salt, may have a number of meanings. Some believe that, they, that uh, although our language should be gracious, it should be equally honest and without hypocrisy. Others think of salt as something that's going to heighten the flavor. And so Paul may be saying that our conversation should never be dull, never be flat, or insipid, but rather it should always be worthwhile and profitable. Maybe an example will help. 
You remember when Jesus, in his earthly ministry, John chapter 7, verse 53, and then in chapter 8, you remember when Jesus was out there in the public, when the religious leaders brought a woman, how the Bible says she was caught in adultery. My question has always been, where was the man? Usually takes two, as far as I know. So where was, but nevertheless, the woman was caught in adultery. These religious leaders bring, bring her to Jesus. And Jesus, what does he do? When he sees it, can you imagine these religious leaders just thinking about it? They knew what the, what the Old Testament said. They knew what the law said. Stoning. She is going to die by stoning. Can you see these religious leaders getting down on the ground and lining up their rocks? Because they just can't wait to fulfill what the law said about that woman. So what does Jesus do? He bends down on the ground and writes on the ground. What does he write? I don't know. I'll leave that for you to think about on your own. But when Jesus stood up, he made this statement. Let him who is without sin, cast the first stone. Imagine this. Complete silence. And then all of a sudden you hear a thump. All of those rocks leaving the hands of those religious leaders. And there they are. They leave. And so when Jesus, as He goes back, steps on the ground again, He looks up and He sees no one but Him and this woman that was called adultery. Get the saying, get the saying that He said, to her. Woman, where are your accusers? Where are your accusers? Then he said, neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. I want you to see something here. Where is the grace here? This is grace and salt. Grace, neither do I condemn you. Where's the salt? Go and sin. No more. Do you see it there? Paul's right. Our conversation, our words, particularly with those that we are around all the time, it's not our right, it's not our, our duty to land last time, but rather our speech with those closest to us is to be seasoned not only with grace, marked with grace, but also seasoned with salt. But then he also says something else here. Notice how he finishes up that verse. So that you may know how you ought to answer each one. I think that's the difficult part there. Have you ever been in a conversation with a family member, with a friend, whoever it may be, and I'm telling you, there are times you're just stumped. You're like, I have no idea what to say. I don't have no idea what to say. This is where we need to begin to learn how to, how to answer each one. How? Listening more than we talk to start with. Asking questions so that we really understand. And then making sure that the whole process is saturated with our seeking God for wisdom. So how is that going to take place here? Well, well let me get real practical. I want to talk to you about two, two things in regards to communication that, that I think really are practical for us. Are you ready? Here they are. First of all, I want, I want you to note some what I call communication busters. Communication busters. What are those things that will just... Flat, rip it up. It won't help it at all. Let me give you some of these here. Number one, this is what I call the, the TV, the radio, cell phone, or any other electronic gadget you can think of. It's, our market's full of them. I, I just want to be honest with you here this evening. This is the here I am story. This is me. I, I don't know about you, but whenever I go to a restaurant, I can't sit in a restaurant facing a TV. Why? I am a man. I'm going to look at the TV. 
And so whenever I, I go, especially on a date with my bride, uh, we, you think it's funny. We, we literally have to position ourselves so that I'm not watching the TV. I don't want to look at the TV. I'd much rather look at my bride, but I don't want to be distracted. Why? Because that can be a buster. You hear something else? The cell phone. The cell phone. Have you ever gone to a restaurant? You're going to do this next time you go. Have you ever gone to a restaurant and seen a, seen a, a husband and wife, man or woman, and you just see them there, and both of them are sitting there waiting on their food to come, and they're both looking at their phone? Just whatever. I don't know what they're reading, Facebook, whatever. And they're just kind of mesmerized with their phone. Anybody here have a smartphone? Uh, raise your hand. I'm not coming after you. Come on, honestly. Bunch of liars. That's what the sermon is <laughs> That'll slow down for you guys. Smartphone. Here's a thought. It ain't so smart to get so involved in that when you're with the one that you love. Don't do it. You know what I do when we go on a, when we go on a date? My bride and I, I did this last week. I, I usually carry my phone. You're thinking, you're the preacher, you should. You know what I do with it? I leave it in the car. Why? I don't want to be distracted. Now, it kind of works out. It doesn't work out too well sometimes. I'll drop her off at, the, at a store or whatever, and then I have to go find her, and, you know, sometimes it's difficult. But I'm willing to take the risk. Why? Because I want her to know. I want my bride to know. Nothing, no one is more important. I want her to have all of my attention. That's a communication buster. One of those electronic gadgets. Let me give you a second. Let's get a little more serious. Number two, another communication buster is this. Jumping to conclusions. Jumping to conclusions. Why is it that oftentimes we immediately jump to the worst conclusion? There are times when we may not, when we may not even let the other person finish what they're going to say because we just know what they're going to say. We'll go ahead and finish it for them. We may even, we, we may even uh, think something is, is out of the ordinary. If they, if they do something out of the ordinary, it gets us really nervous. For instance, the guy brings home roses. And what does she think? Oh, no. What is he about to apologize for? Don't we think that? And we, we get home and she has prepared our favorite meal. And what might the guy think? Uh-oh. She has just done something that's going to cost us a whole bunch of money. And so she's trying to, trying, to, to, trying to get everything a little bit nicer before then. Whatever happened to ask him this question? What's the special occasion? What, what may be going on? And then letting them share something without our jumping to a conclusion. Here's a statement. Jump enough, and we'll be so far apart that it will be impossible to communicate. Jumping to conclusions, that is a communication buster. Let me give you a third one. Judging our spouse or family member with a different standard than you judge yourself. No, no one's ever done this, have they? No, never. Let me give you an example. Uh, if, if she leaves the iron on... Oh, God, she's lost her mind. She's crazy. But if we leave the iron on, guys, if you aren't here, oh, close, I don't know if you're not. But if we leave the iron on, well, we were just preoccupied. Really? That's two different standards there. But here's the thing. Once again, if you do this long enough, judging by a different standard, if you do that long enough, it will shut down every bit of communication between the two. Now, I had some folks in my office not too long ago, and uh, it, 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 it was... For me, now, it was a little bit comical, but it really is overall very, very sad. Here's what they were doing. They came in, both sat on that couch I have there in my office, and one of them said, Preacher, I can't believe it. She goes out, she spends money like crazy, and I just can't believe that she does that. 
You know what he was doing? He was spending money like crazy. And then I said to her, I said, tell me your side. She said, preacher, I can't believe it. He goes out and spends money like crazy, and I just think it's the craziest thing. And what was she doing? She was spending money like crazy. And in the midst of all of this conversation that had been going on for weeks, usually by the time it gets to the preacher, it's almost too late to start with. But when he, get, when, he get, when he got there, they were both already telling me, you know what, we're thinking about separating. And it wasn't long after that they divorced. You want to know why? Because the way they judged themselves was different than they judged their spouse. They threw the spouse under the bus. Do you use a different standard? Do you use a different standard? I want you to hear it. I promise you, it will shut down your communication with your spouse or family member. I don't care. Put anybody else in there you want to. It will shut down that communication. As the Proverbs puts it, when we do that, we're thinking too highly of ourselves. Let me give you another communication buster. You may not think about this one, but here it is. Fatigue. Fatigue. You know what you need to do if you're fatigued? Go to bed. What a novel concept. Put up the smartphone. It ain't smart. Put up all this other stuff. Go to bed. If you got, if you feel like, man, I've just got to say this to her. I've just got to say this to him, even though I'm just so tired. My suggestion to you is, go to bed. When you're refreshed, get up. You want to know what's going to be different? Your mode of thinking. And probably, not only what you say, but also how you say will be different. Fatigue. I've tried to do that. I've tried to share. I've tried to have some deep conversation when I'm very tired. And it is always an ugly thing. Beware of fatigue. It is a communication buster. Let me give you a fifth one. And I'm, I'm, going to, um, I'm going to hit it this evening for just a moment. But i got a whole message coming Wednesday evening. This one is a biggie. It's unforgiveness. Unforgiveness. It is a communication buster. It's a communication killer. You see, what unforgiveness does is that it builds a thick and very, very ugly wall between the husband and the wife, between family members, between friends, even in a church. It happens. So if you're one to allow things to, to build up and you think, well, I'm just going to squelch it down, I'm just going to squelch it down, I'm, I'm telling you, there's going to come a time when you're going to blow up and this is going to be nasty. It's going to be nasty. That's not helpful. That's not healthy at all. Oftentimes, those who, who act like that and who, who live like that, what they do is that they put on a very thin veneer outside and everything seems to be fine, but what's going on inside is that unforgiveness, that unforgiveness there. And where that unforgiveness resides, what's going to take place is that that communication is going to get shallower and shallower. And there will likely come that day, how does it say, the, old, the last straw? When that proverbial last straw is on that camel's back and all of that years, months, weeks, whatever it may be, probably years of unforgiveness, years of bitterness, all of that's going to come spewing out like an erupting volcano and it is not going to be a pretty sight. You know what it does? It destroys intimacy. It destroys care. It destroys so much openness, trust in that relationship. It will destroy everything about a home. So there's got to be productive ways of dealing with tough issues, with touchy issues, or that wall that has become so high, then that wall becomes so thick and so difficult, it's going to destroy that marriage. It's going to destroy that marriage. So there's five communication blockers or busters right there. But let me, let me share with you 
Let's, do, let's talk about some good news. Well, what do we need to do? If we're really going to live out that last statement there so that we may know how we ought to answer each one. What is it we need to do? Let me give you some others. What I call communication builders. Communication builders. Some building blocks here. Number one, listen. Listen. I'm sure you've heard this before. It always bears to be said again. God gave us two ears, one mouth. That's the way we need to use them. Twice as much as this. Listen, listen, listen. But I want you to understand some things about listening here. Listening does not mean waiting your turn to speak. If you ever, maybe you've just been so mad at somebody and you kept thinking while they're talking, I wish they'd hush because I am ready with my next line of fight. That is not listening. You totally missed what they're trying to say. It, what listening means is that it means to truly attempt to understand what that other person is really saying. And communication is never successful. Listen to me. Communication is never successful until the other person is understood. Now you may think, I'll tell you what I'm going to do, preacher. I'm going to give them a piece of my mind. Please don't do that. You need all the mind you got. <laughs> don't, don't, don't do that. Well, I'm just going to get it out and I'll feel better. But you won't accomplish anything. You won't accomplish anything. The only time you are successful is when you're able to understand what the person really is trying to say. You know what that means? Not only hearing what they say, but even trying to understand what they didn't say. Preacher, that's hard. You might write this hard. It's a difficult practice to pick up. How well, how well, let me ask you a question. How well would your spouse say that you listen? How well would your children, parents, oh, why'd you bring it up? How well would your children say that you listen? Children, how well do you listen to your parents? How well does that happen? And by the way, when you're listening, Make sure there's no distractions. Remember that TV I was telling you about a while ago? You're at home, and she comes in, and he comes in, whatever it may be, and they want to talk, and they start talking, and you're watching TV, and somehow, somewhere in that conversation, what's going to be said? You're watching TV. You're not listening to me. Yeah, I'm listening to you. No, you're not. No, you're not. Cut off the TV. More than just saying, I'm trying to pick up these words here while watching that, cut off the TV. Turn and put your focus on that person so that you're conveying to them, you're communicating to them, I really, really want to listen and pay attention to what you're saying. Listening. To listen is to validate, is to care, is to acknowledge, is to appreciate. Listening is active. Listening is active. Let me give you another communication door. Not only listening, time. Time. I'm sure you've heard it said before, how is it the children spell love? T-I-M-E. How is it that that, that that loved one of yours is going to spell love the same way? T-I-M-E. Time. Communication never happens on a whim. It won't happen just as you go from here to there. You kind of pass each other. And you, you talk to each other in passing. You know, what, you know what communication is like? It's like a fine gourmet meal. You ever been to the frozen food in the grocery store and looked at those boxes that says frozen dinner? I would much rather eat the box than what's inside the box. It looks great on that box. It's, it's the same thing when it comes to communication. Oftentimes we think, well, I just got to say this and we're going to have to go on and do something else. What you're trying to do 
is that you're trying to have gourmet communication in a fast food time frame. Not going to happen. I don't know about y'all. I love Thanksgiving. Do y'all realize it's three months till Thanksgiving? It's hard to believe that. I'm, are you counting down? Anybody right? I'm counting down. To the day after the Georgia Georgia Tech game. I'm ready for it to be over already. <laughs> three months. You, you know what? I, I don't know about y'all, but it takes a long time to fix that Thanksgiving meal and just a short time to eat it. I'm the eater on the Thanksgiving meal. It takes a long time. Why? I don't know about y'all, but man, I sure love it. I love that meal. Even for New Year's Day, I love that New Year's Day meal. You probably got your annual thing that you do. It's probably going to take a lot of time, a long time to fix it. Why? If we're going to have communication, it's going to take a lot of time to get there. You, have, you can't have gourmet communication on a fast food time frame. It's not going to happen. So the question is, how much time are you giving to communication? Let me ask you a question. How many of you here this morning are, are, here, are here are morning people? Raise your hand. Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. Okay. How many of you are night owls? Raise your hand. Y'all are nuts. Okay, how many of y'all just like sleep, period? I mean, just <laughs> stars. But I'm praying for you, brother. They don't, they don't sleep through the message. <laughs> if we're not careful, if we're not careful, listen to me. Probably you're in a home with somebody that's just the opposite of you. I'm the morning person. I love getting up early in the morning. Now, some of this kind of you know, where are we? But nevertheless, I love getting up in the morning before anybody else is up. It is a great time to spend with the Lord. I love it. But you know what? My wife ain't quite like that. She's one of those like y'all. She likes sleep periods. She just loves it. But here's what can happen. If you're if you're trying to talk with someone that has a, a different demeanor than you, you're the morning person, they're the night out, you know what can happen? You can easily schedule out the best time for you to and you're going to miss it. And you're going to miss it. Here's what I mean. When it comes to communicating time, you must make time a priority for you to communicate. You've got to make it a priority. So what does that mean, preacher? You've got to figure that out. When is that best time when both of you are going to be alert? Both of you have set aside that time so that you can focus on one another, whoever this may be, child, parent, whatever it may be, where you can focus on one another and really communicate what needs to be shared and expressed. Here's the challenge I want to give to you. Why not set aside 20 to 30 minutes every day to spend some time talking with one another and talking with that family member, and free, from, free from everything else, free from everything else. Put up the smartphone in the smart place because the smart thing you'll do is to be right there and not distracted by the smart stuff. It's dumb to be distracted by the smart stuff. All right? Don't let it happen. Be free from any distraction so that you can communicate. Time is a communication must. 20 to 30 minutes, what are we going to talk about? Well, might be a little quiet to start with, but I promise you it'll pick up. Well, what's another communication builder? Let me give you this one. Number three, empathy. Empathy. What is empathy? Simply put, putting yourself in someone else's shoes. I got another question. I'm loaded with questions, y'all. You'll figure this out by the end of our time here. Why is it why is it that we have more empathy for some Hollywood actor or actress on TV 
than we do with our own family members. Why is that? Why is it we'll cry when they're doing something that's not even true? <laughs> but with our own family member, we won't empathize. Beloved, I want you to hear me. I want you to hear my heart. This is hard. Because whenever you go through those tough times, those tough seasons, seasons of change, seasons where maybe a, a major crisis has happened in your life, there's going to be one person who's going to say, I'll tell you how to fix this. This is the way we need to look at it. You know, we may look at our spouse or even look at our children and say, suck it up. Toughen up. Let's go on. That's not what needs to happen. You know what we need to do? We need to try to put ourselves in their shoes to say, let me try to understand. Let me really, really try to understand where you're coming from. You want to know what happens? You're going to slow down. You'll begin to see some things that either really doesn't bother you or you'll finally begin to understand how that person really is put together. And you can begin to say, I think I get it now. I understand a little bit better why this is such a major deal for you, but it wasn't for me. What's going to help to build that communication? We must have empathy for those in our home. For those in our home. So if we look at the day, we look at the struggles, look at the responsibilities through the eyes of the other, it's going to help a lot in our communication. But here's the thing. We don't used to do that. We don't used to do that. Why? We're built different, whatever it may be, but I'm just telling you, we don't usually do that. The need for empathy today is huge. Let me give you another builder. This is probably akin to empathy, but let me just go ahead and put it out there anyway. Number four, believe the best of the other. Believe the best of the other. The natural tendency, again, why is it that it seems the natural tendency for us, especially those of us that have been married for a long time, 21 years, now some of you probably would say it's a long time. It's, it's a long time. I'm grateful for it. She hadn't killed me yet. It's good. But why is it that the natural tendency somewhere along that process is that we begin to think the worst of the other instead of the best of the other? Instead of giving every reason why something didn't work out as we thought, we think of ten reasons, ten ways that they messed it up. Why do we do that? Something breaks. I knew they were careless. I fumble figured they could tear up a rock. Well, that'll really help you a lot. That's really encouraging. Why is it that we approach it like that? And by the way, when you start to throw down, especially ladies and gentlemen, when you're throwing down your spouse, just one reminder. You married them. What does that say about you? I'd be careful. You said yes to them, and you married them. That's not going to help in the area of communication. So the next time, whenever something may come up, believe the best of the other. Do your best to believe the best of the other. And be careful not to jump to conclusions. And then a fifth one here. Maybe this should have been first because it's probably the most given. You want, to, you want to understand and have a good communication builder? You need to understand that men and women are different. Amen. Can I just get an amen from there? Amen. We are different. We are really, really different. You see, here's an example. When you throw out the word communicate to a man, you know what he's going to think of immediately? Daytime. Daytime. What do you mean daytime? So if the man, if the husband and wife, they, they sit down and they said, that crazy preacher said, we've got to communicate, so here's, here's what I'm going to do. Here's what I did today. This morning at 6 o'clock, I got up. And you go all throughout your day. You go all throughout your day. 
And guys, if we do that with our wives, somewhere about 8 o'clock, they're checking out. You want to know why? They don't want to know your daytime. You want to know what they want to know? How you were throughout the whole day. How you were throughout the whole day. Someone said this, and it's very true. What is it that the typical woman wants the typical man to do? She wants him to confide his fears, reveal his emotions, and share his dreams. Can I just share with you what those three things are to a man? Those are probably the three lowest things on his pole that he wants to do. Why? Because usually we as men, we don't want to confide our fears. We really don't want to reveal our emotions. And we sure don't want to share our dreams. Why? Just in case they don't come to me. We won't have to say we're disappointed. We don't want to do that. But here's the thing. Understanding our differences can help us to not get so worked up because we understand we're different. But we can work through them to accomplish successful communication. Gentlemen, I have a suggestion for you. You need to remember this. When your wife shares her feelings or frustrations or when your daughter, when your, I have three of them, when your daughter shares whatever it may be about whatever, here's the encouragement to us. Resist the urge to fix it. Why? We as men, we're fixers. I can tell you what to do there. Do this. One, two, three. Get out of here. I got something else to go fix. That's not what we do with it. Why? That's not what they want. When they communicate how they may feel about something, and they, they talk about those feelings, and they talk about those fears, and they talk about those dreams, and we begin to get a little spurs because we're thinking, we're not made like that. I, why, why are they telling me that? Well, they love you, and you love them, and you're supposed to care. That's why. But when they begin to share that, that's not our opportunity to try to fix it. You know what they want? They just want to know we're listening. They just want to know that, they're, that we're excited about their dream. We're concerned about their fear. And we really do care about their anxieties. That's really what they want to know. Well, I didn't fix anything. You don't have to. That's not what it's about. Chances are, she probably already knows how to fix it. She just wants to share it with you. Ladies, let me give you one suggestion. Remember, timing is everything. Timing is everything. The time to unload your frustrations is probably not going to be the moment that he walks in the door. Choose that time carefully. You know what you need to do? Give a heads up about some things that you may need to share. You know what my bride does? She... She is perfect, y'all. I'm telling you, this old boy married good. He married up. But you know what oftentimes she'll do for me? If there's some things that we need to talk about, before I get home, I live seven and a half miles away from our church. Straight shot. Straight shot from my house to the church. But here's what she'll do. Somewhere in the afternoon before I'm getting ready to come home, she'll either text me or she'll call me and say, hey, sometime this evening we need to talk about whatever it may be. You know what that does for me? That prepares me. Because she knows that when I get in, I'm going to get, I'm going to get ransacked by my two-year-old. She is coming for daddy. It's not a good time to talk about that. But there'll be a time in that evening where we can. Timing really is everything. Let me ask you a question tonight. You're not here to try to impress me. I believe I delivered what the Lord wanted to share with you. So let me turn it back on you. When it comes to these communication busters, 
And when it comes to these communication builders, how are you doing on those? Let me remind you of what Paul said here. Does this verse now come to life? Let your speech always be with grace, seasoned with salt, that you may know how you ought to answer each one. Now, let, let me say something here. At the base of every great home, great family, great marriage, great relationships, at the base of every one of those, they all begin with a meaningful relationship, a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. You see, Paul wasn't talking to the Colossian church just to try to give them some help in that day. They needed some help, just like we need help. But beloved, I want you to understand something. When we're going to talk about family matters or anything, if we're really going to have a lasting change in our lives, our homes, our church, it all begins with a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. I don't know about y'all, but I sure am glad Jesus is the master communicator. I love that song, familiar song, old song, that was sung tonight, that special, How Great Thou Art. Did y'all pick up on those words? And when I think God, His Son, not sparing, sent Him to die to take away my sin, that on the cross, my burden, gladly bear, you got the picture in your mind? Gladly bear. He did that for me. How great thou art. Sir, ma'am, let me ask you a question. Can you honestly say that you have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ? He communicated His love extremely well for us when He died on that cross. He did it so well. But has there ever been a time that you can say, listen to me, in that communication, you got it. I'm a sinner. That means there's a penalty. It's called eternal death and separation from God. But what Jesus did, He shouted His love for us. When He not only came to this earth, incredible teaching, but He died for us so that I could be forgiven of my sin and be given eternal life. He communicated extremely well. But my question to you is, have you got it? Have you got that decision? Have you got that decision? Tonight, you can. You can make that most important decision. Would you pray with me for just a moment? If tonight you realize and understand that is your greatest need, then I'm going to invite you to make that most important decision. And you know something? Just as the Lord Jesus communicated with us through the cross, you communicate with Him and tell Him, that you're ready to place it, to trust Him to be Savior of your life. If that's your desire, you tell Him. From your heart, you tell Him, I'll be glad to help you. Why not say something like this from your heart? Lord Jesus, I admit to you, I am a sinner. I know that I need a Savior. And tonight, I get it. Jesus, you died on the cross for me. <laughs> to take away my sin. And so tonight, I ask you, would you forgive me of my sin or would you come into my heart and take over?
I trust you alone, Lord Jesus. With no one looking around, I want to ask a very simple question in this room tonight. Is there anyone here that would say, tonight, Pastor, that was my decision. Tonight, Brian, I trusted Christ to be Savior of my life. If that's you, would you mind just holding your hand up for a moment? I want to celebrate with you. And you know what you're doing? You're communicating that you were serious about that decision. Anyone here that would say, that's my decision tonight? That's my decision tonight. As we have an invitation time in just a moment, your pastor's going to be standing here at the front. I'm going to invite you to step out from where you are and you come make your way to him and tell him that was your decision. But believer, before we begin this invitation, I've got a challenge for you. Just as it takes time to communicate with our spouse and our children, it also takes time to communicate with our Lord. And just as it is extremely important for us to listen to others, so is it important to listen to Him. Two things. How is your communication with the Lord? You may say, preacher, it's distant. Tonight, this altar's here. I invite you to make you something to say, Lord, I don't want a distant communication with you. I don't want a distant walk with you. I want to be close, growing, walk with you. I want to hear everything you say. I want to get it. I want to get it. I invite you to do that. But maybe tonight you would say, hey, there's some communication busters that's busting me up pretty good. I invite you to make use of this altar. Maybe there's some communication builders you know that you need to work on. Something that's just that I'm inviting you to come make the use of this altar and say, Lord, here it is. Get specific. Communicate with Him and then listen to Him as He speaks. Would you make use of this altar? I'll be here. The pastor will be here. We'd love to pray with you. Help in any way we possibly can. I invite you to come. Father, in this invitation time this evening, I ask you to speak for your honor, for your glory. May there be great, great liberty. I pray in Jesus' name.